Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at the HyperClean Specialist Group. It is called, well, HyperClean Specialist Group. It's the best way to go too, right, Nick? Yep. Now you uh you had a really great episode the other day and you have your intro is a little different than me. So I tried to switch it up there, but I, I completely messed it up and I fumbled right through it. Yeah, I would say that uh, we do things a little different, but you know, that's why we have separate episodes and we, you know, you got the community pub, you got this, you know, I got a Friday up Saturday episode. So yeah, it's all right that it's a little different. Hey, speaking of one thing that we always do is drink, at least I do. And uh, I don't despise, even though it's, you know, we bit early for a, a drink. It should be SEMA time and I should be on Vegas time. And at SEMA time, Vegas time, you drink whenever, right? So oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to grab uh, one of what Kevin sent me. This is one of the last ones. It's the Shipyard Pumpkinhead Hard Seltzer. Oh, there you go. Now, this is interesting right here. You got to think seltzer. You got to think pumpkin. And you go, right? Yeah, you just start shaking your head. And you go, hmm. But really, what is it going to be like? And and I had one this weekend just so I would know for the episode. And it was weird. It was like I couldn't stop sipping on it, but I couldn't drink it. I had to only yeah. sip on it. It's got such it was, a unique flavor. I don't know. It's like a pumpkin Sprite. Yeah. It's like a pumpkin cream soda. Oh, I like I like cream soda. I just exactly. Don't like so you much. just keep trying to sip on it a little bit more. And you go, wow, that's like a cream soda pumpkin spice. Like... It's interesting, but yeah. Kevin, man, we can't, can't be, at least I can't, Nick doesn't care, but I'm thankful, uh, <laughs> thankful for all the, the great, the great beers that you sent me, Nick, it's not Thanksgiving yet, but today is what it's Halloween. It's your second favorite holiday. Actually, uh, you know, look, my daughter's old enough to go trick or treating. So yeah, what you, what's your costume? Uh, she, you know, uh, she, no, no, yours, yours. Oh, it's my costume is going to be a uh, business owner. <laughs> Uh, so it's going to have, I'm going to have that stressed look on my face when I'm out trick-or-treating. No, I'm just kidding. Well, you're uh, going to wear a hoodie, right? I mean, cause yeah. today's business owners hoodie back in yep. the day, business owner would have been suit and suit. tie. Yep. So yeah, we're going to do, and I, I don't know if I've ever said this on here. People come to our neighborhood for trick-or-treat. So we'll have like 10,000 people in our neighborhood tonight. Like they come from all over mm -hmm. Vegas to our neighborhood. So I don't know. Before I live there, you know, somebody has started this tradition. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's packed in my neighborhood and we just, I just had this conversation over the weekend, like a lot of people, I didn't realize this, this actually happened. You know, my, I was talking to my mom and she lives in Ohio and, you know, trick or treat is not, I guess, as big when we used to be younger, everyone went trick or treating in their neighborhood. My mom's neighborhood. She's like, Hey, you know, we hardly get any trick-or-treaters. And I hear that from a lot of people here, too, in Vegas. It seems to be by neighborhood whether you have a good Halloween experience. I don't know if it's like that in Tulsa, but I, I hear that more and more these days. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. But so no, nothing new, just the same old Nick every, you know, tonight. You're not dressing up. No, no. I, so no, I no. myself, I'm, 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 I'm excited about my costume. I'm excited. I'm going to use... All my four features of having a bald head, and uh, I'm going as Gru. 
So uh, easy, throw on a nice coat, put on some black pants and a little scarf and I've got a minion and I've got a banana and I'm going to be good. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm, you look, man, that's great. I, if it, if you're into it, you're into it. That's the way I look at it. You've never been in. I mean, Halloween's well, never yeah, been. Was, well, ever yeah, of course. In college. I mean, everybody, how many, we don't really have to talk about, you know, how, you know, girls or women act during Halloween. And we don't have to do that cliche, do we? Like, yeah, of course. When I was in college, it was, Halloween was great. Um, as I got older, uh, no, I, I fell out of love with the, with the Halloween thing. But look, tons of people in my neighborhood, they got decorations galore. Like people spend a lot of money on these decorations. And we saw it at some clients' homes I was at this morning, like building a haunted house on their property. I mean, look, there's people that go all out and that's great. You ever, you don't scary movies, you know, like turn on scary. And, you, know, I, you know, we have this conversation in our house. I, I find it hard to be scared at something that's on my screen. Like I'm not actually the one getting hit with the ax. It, it's, it, it's just tough for me. I'll watch them. I don't have a problem, but I never really understood horror flicks that much. So do you ever get, you ever go to haunted houses? You ever done that? Oh Yeah. Yeah. I've done haunted houses. We, we had this thing. Uh, we had a haunted ho hospital, a hospital that had closed. That stuff was cool. Um, actually in my buy and sell this week, I can tell you that, um, I, you know, there's one thing underrated about this time of year that we had, we took, we took our, our daughter to this weekend. Uh, I'll just do it now. My buy this week is, uh, pumpkin patches. It's relaxed, good food, you know, bouncy houses, you know, rides, pumpkin patches underrated as far as, I mean, I don't want to go to the fair, like that's just too many people. What? Here's what I'm saying. Oktoberfest. All right. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I, I there's something chill about the pumpkin patch that you don't get around everything else. And so I actually enjoyed it. Like it was just a lot. They had a petting zoo. You know, it's just way more chill. People are way more chill. It's not like everybody's there like drink. You know what I mean? It's just like a chill thing. I think people underrate the pumpkin patch. So I'm gonna buy, I'm gonna buy the pumpkin patch. Do they have any more today? Is it completely gone? Like there's PTA, like you walk around and get candy from people in rooms and have like, do oh, they that's still a good do question. I don't know if they have that. Did I you do you it? I, we did it. Yeah, like I, yeah. that was, I definitely remember that, you know, like your little bag and you put this like pole with a little, what was it? Like a, a yarn that came down and they'd stick a piece of candy on it. And you were like, Ooh, yeah. you know, right. Hey, the thing now is like this thing called trunk or treat. Yep. Where like well, everybody gathers in a park. Yeah, yeah. People like, gather in a parking lot and you just walk from, and I'm like, okay. I mean, I would love that if I was a kid. Cause I'm basically getting a bunch of candy real quick. Uh, but you know, you got all the worries. Now we have to have this discussion every year. Now, supposedly your kid's going to get fentanyl in their candy. And you, you remember when we were young, you know, oh, somebody's going to put a razor blade in your, did you sit down? We sit down every Halloween and would go through Dude, the camp. Yeah. I said this last night. I go, you do realize this is one of those things like when you heard that we were going to run out of oil, like in the nineties, it's just like, these are one of those things you just hear. It's like, how many times am I going to hear about the Halloween stuff? Razor blades, then uh, somebody's going to drug the kids and look, it's pretty basic. If, if, if the candy's all sealed up, go ahead and eat it. If it's a little loose, I'd probably just throw it out. I, I think that was probably a pretty good motto, but yeah, we had to have, 
evidently on the news, uh, not that I don't watch it, but it was brought to my attention that kids may be getting fentanyl. So, mm. you know, it's a new, it's a new world out there, Marty. It is a new world. All right. You told me I can no longer buy and sell both. So I'm not buying this weekend, carving pumpkins and all the great Halloween fun stuff and the scary movies and all that great stuff. I'm not buying that. So I'm selling this week, Nick. I'm selling and I'm selling hocus pocus. So staying with the theme, but I'm selling hocus pocus and I'm selling hocus pocus sales experiences. I had one this past, uh, let's see, it was Friday to get my oil changed. Same place I go every time, two plus years, probably three now. Uh, once they opened up, I just started going as close. It's one of those you go in, they say it's five minutes. Cool. No problem. I've been in dealerships, been in plenty of places. I've talked to people about oil. Oil in itself is hocus pocus in a sense. Nobody can really give you what this additive really does. At what point in time do you need to go into this higher mileage? That's some mechanics that say, if you never started with the higher mileage, once you reach a certain mileage, you should never go to it. That, you know, there's so much that goes on. So I get the same oil every time. My Jeep has had the exact same oil. Yeah. I get the bottom of the barrel, whatever. It's all good because I change it every 3,000, but Jeep says 5,000. Cool. So I change it every 5,000 miles. No issues at all. I love it that people want to sell you things. We love to sell things, right? Yep. But hocus pocus. Telling me and flipping around a thing and saying, Jeep is mandating this. And yeah. I go, wait, what? I get the same oil every time, man. How come nobody yeah. in the past two years has ever tried to tell me this, but now suddenly Jeep has a mandate that I've got to get this oil and it's your duty now to tell me and I have to do it. I know that $15 that you wanted to give me off isn't actually like a regular thing because now Jeep has mandated it. You're just trying to make a sale. Yeah. All good, brother. I'll just get the same oil that I always get. Like, and I think that's what causes so many of us not want to be in sales, right? Like yeah. we think that we have to be hocus pocus, right? Like you think that there always has to be some hook. There doesn't yep. like, <laughs> yeah, you could have just told you the truth. Like, Hey man, if it was my car, uh, I'd do this. And these are the reasons why I, I think the quick oil change places have really done a poor job of, of separating themselves from the car model. Like everything in the car model is super salesy and the quick oil change is about as bad as it gets when you get in there. I mean, you need this filter, that filter, your blades, this, you need your wiper blades, you need this blade, you need that change. You need, and it's like, I get it. I'm on board, but how about you just, pull out my manual and do all the services that the man, if we're going to do something, just do the services that the manual says to do at the time it says to do them. And that's one of the most frustrating things about it is very few people or companies follow the manufacturer's recommendations. And you think that would be a great business model. Hey, you're at 55,000 miles. Here's the things they tell you to do. I'm not even selling at that point. I'm just saying, here's your manual. But they just don't do it. Yeah, it's you're right, man. Those quick oil change places are, they are about as aggressive as they get. And and dealerships are the one to get the bad rap. But I'll tell you this, quick oil change places, they'll, they'll try to upsell you everything under the sun. And you and I, right? Business owners, we get it, right? Yep. Like in sales, and we've been sales, I've been 
you got to be sales. So I get the upsell. I get it. And I'm kosher with the dude. It's just, as we know, man, hocus pocus. Yeah. Uh, right. So let's talk about something that's been going on inside of the HyperClean Specialist Group. Great conversations having there. And it's a conversation around some of our products, which is why we love to talk about it. Anytime we can talk about a process, anytime we talk about a product, it's what we want to do. So one of the questions has been floating around. People are starting to ask now that we have another spray that we've we've put out. We've got a slick silica spray and we've got spray coat instant ceramic spray. People are starting to question, okay, well, what's the difference? And that's a great question. We're, we're glad that people are diving into it. Uh, first of all, we got to talk about the difference between a ceramic and a silica, right? Why do we put one in one category and one in another? You got one that hardens and one doesn't. That's, that's some basic chemistry to it. You've seen, I mean, the hydrophobics are different too. Hydrophobics of spray coat versus slick are, you can tell there's a massive difference. Dustin Stanley put out a great video showing those hydrophobics that he had. I walked out to my Jeep that uh, had, had gotten some rain on it and it's massively different. So those yep. are some very key things that, uh, that I know have been found different. Uh, we'll get into when to use and some other things, but yep. what's some differences that you, you can say that are between the two? Well, you have a different activation, right? That's spray coat is activated by water right? And water helps the active ingredients spread across the panel. And that's why you get the hydrophobic behavior. But the way it always, I always kind of look at this stuff is additives. You know, there's always different chemistry when you have something that's applied like slick and we kind of maybe have under you know, haven't talked about slick in a while. Slick is just, you know, again, I've always had this word from the day that we had it behind the scenes working on it. There's a purity to slick. Slick's going to uh, lay down good protection. It's not going to be, you know, a year long sealant. It's meant to be used all the time. It's meant to be used uh, in, in maintenance and, and standalone and all that kind of stuff. But there's just different chemistry to both of them. If I were using slick all the time, and I would say to myself, well, I don't really need spray coat. I don't really look at it that way. Again, spray coat is way more friendly on rims. Spray coat is got different chemistry to it, maybe gives my car a little bit different look than slick. They're both quick protective products, but they're very different. And, and like I said, uh, spray coat, like you said, excuse me, has a very, very different hydrophobic uh, profile to it. It reacts differently. I think it gives more surface tension. So you see the water sheet off even when it rains where slick is is not built like that. Slick, you'll get the beads a lot more than you will get the sheeting. It's just different products and both are great in your arsenal. And that that's what I want to, I mean, we have another spray look that's in testing that really isn't even anywhere near the end of, of our, of our process. But if, if we got to the end of this, it'd be different than the other two, right? We we're never going to release something that's just a replacement or it's just not how we do things. Everything has a little place that it fits in a different type of process, I think is yep. the key point of what I think as you and I talk through these, we want to make sure people understand is, is you, you're not going to use slick and spray coat the same. It's two different products or two different ways. Some people may never use slick. They may always use, some people may always use spray coat and never use like, yep. Just now I had to go over for a brief second. 
Some key features, though, and places to use uh, spray coat. Some of the key things that are coming out big right now that people are already starting talking about is bikes. Boy, oh, incredible yeah. to be able to wash a bike, put spray coat on a bike, have protection on it. Yeah. Campers, RVs, off-road. I know Dustin, who we already just talked about, he's targeting specifically as a distributor. He's targeting people that are in motorcycles and off-roads. Uh, yep. razors, all that type of stuff after it gets washed off, put some spray coat on instant yeah. protection. And again, it's, it's for those of us, especially the DIYers listening to it, that don't always feel like going the whole route. Every time I detail my car spray coat gives you a peace of mind, right? Go around the car, you know, spray it around the car, do a final rinse, Go to your dry process because it finishes out great on the paint and the and the, the glass. Go on about your day. Um, that's where spray coat fits for me. And there's been spray products in the past that I've used, and that's the benchmark which we developed this product off of. I know what's on the market. I mean, we as a company know what's quality on the market and what's not. This sits above everything else on the market in the active ingredient category. And I think what you'll see is, over time, if you use spray coat, just like if you consistently use a slick or if you use both of them, see, that's what I'm an advocate for. Sometimes I want to go around and I want to hand apply something with a towel and get into every nook and cranny. There's other times where I'm like, man, this sucks that my car is dirty. Let me just get a quick cleanup, right? I mean, we see this inside just you and I talking sometimes you know, we got to film content, man. It adds, adds an extra two hours to a basic wash. And it's like, you dread that. And now when I can do something quick, I'm like, Hey, let, let's spray some spray coat around and let me get on with my life. And, and I think I use them both. So I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty flexible on stuff like this. And I always have, I mean, I've always had multiple tools in my toolbox to, to put onto my car. It's, it's nothing different just because I'm an owner and hyperclean. You know, and another product that uh, we're going to be releasing very soon and final stages that it has a similar kind of discussion is tire shine, right? Like sprays, there's different types of sprays, different ways of spraying. And then tire shine, there's a lot of people that will go, well, I use this type of tire shine, a silica or a water base. And it's like, no, it's solvent and water. It's, it's an interesting thing when you start talking about processes, and products and having different types of products that meet different phases. I watched as I, you know, if studying in the way more people do tire shines and what other people, I watched a video today and it was, it was really ironically funny to watch. And at the same time, sad and shocking. It was a guy putting on tire shine and he had the, you know, the company's tire shine that he was putting on and uh, he bought it at O'Reilly's and it was a TikTok and and he had this motivational, you know, speech going on behind him while he wiped tire shine on a tire with this O'Reilly brand uh, tire shine sitting there. I, I it was just uh, mind boggling. I just thought, well, okay, man, he's going to do something, right? Like, no, it was really just about this motivational. And I, what? Confusing. Oh, yeah. TikTok's gone a really weird place with content creators detailers creating content anything around like tiktok's taking a strange place yeah you and i've been very 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 vocal that tiktok was the next thing 
right? You, you were saying that to anybody that would listen. I think when I look at TikTok now, especially from the detailing perspective, but I don't want to just say this about detailing, TikTok feels stagnant. Like it just feels like we're looking around and going, how many times can I watch somebody take a brush around a tire and then they go and they rinse it and, and we're as guilty as anybody. We all kind of create content to get our name out there. It's TikTok has the views right now. TikTok still has the eyeballs by the hours and, and millions of hours it's being watched. I, I think I look around and go, this kind of feels like, and you stated this really well before we got on, there were times that, man, I was on Facebook and didn't think another thing would come on. All of a sudden, Facebook, um, you know, gives way to Instagram and all those different things and all those different different types of, of things going on. And I, I look at it and I go, it feels like we're at a breaking point with TikTok that we're going to watch it slowly start. And it's good. It's going to happen gradually. People think when you say these things that tomorrow TikTok's going to go away. Well, Facebook didn't go away. It just got less and less part of your life. And it feels like for detailing content, as far as consuming it, we're not seeing big numbers. I mean, we, we follow certain accounts that you and I know had momentum and all of a sudden they're not gaining followers anymore. Uh, yeah, there's a why, lot of different things. Why going is on. that? Why do you, I mean, it can't, you think it's just a platform or it's gotta be something, right? Like when the, these guys got early success, they yep. were doing something and it sparked a really great success. And so by nature, most of us would want to what just repeat so yep. that we could do the same success. Yeah. You don't reinvent the wheel. I mean, you, you go, Hey man, somebody's having success doing this. Let me put my spin on it. Right. But well, then business. do you think it just gets too? I mean, as the content creators, you think it, then it just gets too mundane. You, I, I wonder if part of why we're seeing stuff like this guy that thinks he can just wipe tire shine on a tire and put a, a motivational speech behind it. Like, why does that guy think that that's great? Then that's going to have incredible, you know, things for his business. He had to have seen it from somebody else. Well, and so I, is also, that the problem? Also, we're yeah, just, I, we're yeah, just repeating I, the same thing over and over. I, I would ask all the people out there, you know, go into the specialist group and, and if somebody has something, you know, start, you know, start posting and start a conversation around this. I, I, I honestly think Great that idea. we're in a position where there's a lot of people that haven't been detailing cars very long. And there's a lot of people that do very general detailing and how much can you watch somebody rinse paint off? Like how many times can you wash somebody with a wash mitt? I mean, it's just not that interesting. And I think the same thing can be said about YouTube detailing. I mean, we, I sent you a podcast. I don't think it's fair to bring it up here. And, and this is happening on YouTube where content creators are going, I'm really kind of out of stuff to do like this, this, <laughs> this detailing content thing is tough. Um, there's only so many services that you can do on camera before you're bored to death and everybody else is bored to death. That's the other part of it. It's not even a, but I also think, look, you and I've had a lot of conversations with quote unquote content creators. It's hard to find a more stubborn group of people, uh, in our business. I mean, they're just convinced that they're the backbone of detailing. Uh, that's the other part of it is that there isn't a lot of flexibility in that group of people. I mean, you and I know. Yeah. 
it, it's it's interesting, right? Because I just we both, as you said, and I pushed so hard for TikTok, and I find it interesting now. It's become so stagnant. It's something you kind of addressed, and we started began to talk through it. And it's like, yeah, the more I see it, I just go, there's no creativity. What happened to the creativity aspect? It's all gone. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. And, and it is like I said. It's it, these are fun conversations. They're things to learn from. There are things to to view your content through the lens of, hey, how can we change? Bingo. You know, the, the, this is the crazy thing. Every time you bring something up, and this kind of happened on Saturday's episode, just because something's brought up doesn't mean you got to figure out who they talking about. Who Who's the guy you're talking about? Just take it and go, hey, man, now that's in my consciousness, and I'm going to see content and I'm going to watch what people write and I'm going to see through this different lens of let me be on my toes for X, Y, and Z. Look, man, there's a lot of good stuff on TikTok, but there's a lot of people and some of them have millions of followers whose accounts aren't getting views anymore in detailing because it's like people are kind of just burnt out. That's all. And, and doesn't mean it's a negative. It's just like, yeah, yeah, we got to kind of keep an eye on this. So I, I've definitely lately we found some things to be pretty interesting elsewhere in inside the industry as we began to look at what else has been going on, right? And you know, I, I start taking a look also, you know, inside me of remembering when I was, and as this isn't that old down memory trail type of discussion, but you know, I remember being young. I, I remember having a lot of confidence as as business. You start getting into mobile detailing, opening up, and you know, you're into year one, two, starting to grow. You know, for me, one of the big high marks for me, you know, after year one, hitting seventy five thousand dollars in a year. When I saw that number, I was thrilled, right? Like in the early 2000s, that meant a lot for me being a young kid in Oklahoma. I lived a really good life. You know, I traveled the world, oh, yeah. right? Like it's what yeah. I did. It was great. I had a great time. Uh, no problem with confidence, no problem with things. It, it was, we've said though, there, we many times wish that we could have gotten little breadcrumbs along the way, you know, oh, yeah. little breadcrumbs of, you know, you're, you're young and confident. That's awesome. You know, Great. Uh, I, I definitely want to tie through into some things that we've begun to notice. And I want people to take it as maybe you can recognize this quality in yourself. Maybe you want to take a look at it. Maybe you also want to look at it around the industry and go, yeah, I can see that to Nick's point for a second ago. So I want to make sure I, I don't always associate with those type of people, but it's, these are just interesting things that we want to toss back and forth things that we have seen for people that have built a business somewhere around 2000 bucks a week or so, right? Good business, good detailing business, 2000 bucks a week, but they have this thing and they'll go, I don't need such and such, right? We'll fill in the blank, but I can't really admit and fill in the blank, right? So follow me. For instance, we'll give a little display of something that you just talked about on Saturday, right? Make about 2000 a week. I don't need to learn the basics, but I won't admit when to clay, right? So you kind of follow the pattern here, okay? So 2000 a week, I don't need a boss. Mm. We hear that a lot. I specifically remember being young, making some money and going, yeah, I don't need a boss, but I won't admit I'm not really bringing home much at the end of the month. Yeah. What causes that, right? Like they, we've got this, you know, desire to be a boss, but then 
we're not really great at being the boss because we don't really bring home a lot of money at the end of the month. It's a yeah, dilemma. Look, I mean, you you know, you and I know guys making a lot more than two thousand dollars a week that have looked back on their years after bringing in seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars of their business, saying I didn't make very much money. Uh, that's that two thousand dollar a week guy. If he's not smart with his money, if like you said, he's not a good boss, meaning he doesn't know what to do with his business, what to do with the finances, hasn't hired a CPA, hasn't done all of these mundane things that make you the boss, you get to the end of the year and you go, oh no, I got a tax bill and I don't have the money to pay the taxes, right? I mean, you and I've heard that story. There's a basic example. Being the boss isn't really that fun, but when you're a business owner, you're the boss, whether you're the boss of yourself or you hire other people, you're the boss now. And now everything falls on you. And the problem is if, if you've never had to lead people in another position and you're just the boss out of default because you own your own business, you know, what gets left behind the finances, the growth, the marketing, the sales. And that's where, look, man, the whole idea that you don't have a boss when you're a business owner, the world's your boss. That's what's your boss, the world. Everybody's your boss when you're a business owner. And that's what I always told people. I said, you know, who my boss is every one of my customers. Yep. Cause when the they world. tell me they need a product, what am I doing? I'm hopping in the truck. I'm getting down the road. I'm getting them the product, right? Like, yeah. I'll give you an example. You know, over the weekend, I got a letter. You'll get these random letters when you're in business long enough from the IRS. It's not a negative letter. They needed some information. So I got to take a picture of the letter. I got to get it to my CPA, but go back 10 years. You know what I'd have done? Oh, it's no big deal. Now, right when I open it, it's not a negative. There's a paperwork uh, miscommunication from 2019. I take the photo. It gets sent in an email, and I'm doing this on Saturday afternoon. Nobody wants to work on Saturday afternoon if you don't have to, but here I am. The mail was brought into the house. I look at it. I got a business thing to deal with, and if I don't deal with it in the moment, it doesn't get dealt with. Then all of a sudden, I have a snowball. So uh, the government's my boss. My customers are my boss. Uh, the marketing company I may hire is my everybody. You you, you do everything with everybody. And but and, but you had a different way of getting into the business versus traditional. Many of us inside of the industry, this is something you've put your stake down. You're known to say this. Very few would ever say it. I was more <laughs> like everybody else. I didn't want a boss. I was tired of working my job. I quit my job and I just started cleaning yep. cars. It was really rough. Really rough. Yep. Your suggestion is for people to go work for somebody so that they can learn all the different things that go involved with the business. While you're making the, money. While you're making money. Free. Yeah. But what a lot of people, and this is where you can define this, is where a lot of people would go, yeah, but the biggest struggle that we always have is finding somebody and as detailers, we're always afraid that we're going to bring a detailer in. They're going to learn what we do. And then they're going to go do their own thing and they're going to leave my business. And then yep. I've just raised up another business owner. So how does your philosophy and the way you do it, how, how does, how does it equal out? Yeah. I, I don't, as the business owner, I just don't worry about that. I, I would like to think that number one, my business and my relationships matter. Uh, with my customers. And that's proven out the last 10 years that I've been right on that. Not every time, but the majority of the time, 90% of the time. Uh, you know, again, a lot of times when people go and work for somebody and they get 
the, most of the people you work for are good people. I always hear about the horrible boss, but honestly, I had a boss that went to federal prison. My first boss in this business, he was great to me. He went to federal prison. Now, bosses are a lot of what you make out of it, right? You get told to go do that detail. You got to go do that detail. That That's what having a boss is. But by the way, your customer is going to do the same thing. You paid for it. So here's the way I look at it. If you're listening to this and you're like, well, Nick's telling people to go learn and then go start their own thing. That's not exactly what I'm saying. What I'm saying is most people that go work in the detailing business for somebody realize they don't actually like the detailing business that much. That's, that's a huge part of it. They would have gone out on their own, maybe lost money or not made very much money. They went and spent a year in a business and they go, you know what? I don't really love detailing. That's a huge percentage of people, right? But at that point, you're not a business owner and you don't feel trapped. So you can go on with your life and figure something else you like to learn. I, I don't look at it as giving people advice to go learn and then leave a business. I just go, go into the detailing business and figure out if it's for you and then learn some elite level skills while you're getting paid by an elite level company. Every elite detailing company is hiring today. You can go get a job at an elite detailing company all over this country right now today to start your career. That's a lot easier than trying to come up with a thousand, two thousand, three thousand bucks to go get for a lot of people. It's just an easier path to go figure out if this thing is is for you or not. All right. So next one, you mentioned the word advice. There's a lot of people that don't really like taking advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that goes back to being our own boss, right? Like we don't really like taking advice, right? So yep. but but they don't really want to admit that it's hard to hard to run the business right many of them that we hear is but uh, you know i'm mobile how do i i mean i've got all these they don't know how to do a route they don't know how to organize things there's there's parts of the business that they're leaving undone which is something that you kind of just mentioned it's that's a weakness that i used to always have right like a lot of things you just leave undone okay well i don't know how to do the route i'll just do it good enough very big difference, and I think we need to clarify this in the detailing business. Very big difference in getting by and making money. I think that's that's kind of where you have this divide of conversation. There's a guy listening to us right now like, hey, man, I'm getting by. You know, I'm doing a good job. We all know as you age from 20 to 25, from 25 to 30, and every five-year increment after that, you want nicer things. You want to live in a better neighborhood. You want to be able to do you know, take better vacations, buy a better vehicle, uh, live in a better school district for your fan, whatever the case may be. So barely getting by is really cool for about two minutes in your life. I mean, it goes by Marty, you'll say from 20 to 30, which seems like it takes forever. But when you look back, it took no time at all. You don't want to barely get by in those 10 years. By the time you hit 30, those men and women in your life, your family, your friends that are barely getting by, you don't really want to hang out with them anymore. Think back to your friend group. You got guys that excelled and you got guys that were kind of held back. That held back crowd, you really no longer talk to. And those accelerated guys, they all hang out and they're all making more money and living in bigger houses and driving nicer cars and living a better life. Uh, I think that's the dividing line. Anybody can start a business and barely get by, especially in detailing where there's so low overhead in a mobile business. I could make five or 600 bucks a week if I control my expenses and buy cheap shit, A to Z, 
I can live on four or 500 bucks a week take home. You've seen that your entire career, but you know, two grand, three grand, four grand take home doesn't really equal building a business that's going to sustain itself. And so barely getting by and building something that can sustain are very different conversations. And that's, look, you meet with people at SEMA that are 40 years old, they're, they're either in a big business or they aren't at SEMA. That's, that's kind of the interesting thing, right? You see 40 year olds, they're either making significant money or they're, you know, on the internet, you know, begging people to help them to get here. But the 40 year olds that are here in the automotive business are the ones that are making money. And if you want to be at SEMA and you want to create relationships and lasting vendor relationships, the reality is you got to make a lot of money as a business owner, making a lot of money into your business doesn't equal that you have millions of dollars in your bank account either. And so there's a very big difference between barely getting by and not taking advice. Those people tend to weed themselves out and don't make it as business owners, in my opinion. All right. Making really good money, Nick, but I don't need, you know, I, I work enough and I don't really need to work much more. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm good. I don't really need to work much more, but I can't really handle the workload. There's, yeah. there's a, there's a ton of work. Now that things are clicking, now that things are starting to right, we've, we've gotten guys turned on to Uno for instance, and they're starting to kill the amount of coatings, but whoa, whoa, hold on. That's actually too much work to be that busy. Or we could talk distribution. You could talk mobile. You could talk maintenance. You could actually talk almost everything that we've gone over over the past years when guys will start to take hold of it and see fruits of the wisdom, yep. see fruits of things that you and I have been able to grow. And so we pass it on and they began to use it and began to grow their business. Suddenly, whoa, that workload's a bit much, man. Oh yeah. I mean, look, we, you are going to have times in your business where it feels like your life is your business and there's nothing else outside of it, right? Beginning years, sometimes you'll just have a big year in year seven and you'll be like, man, I had no free time. I think what separates a lot of people is the willingness to put in that time when it's there for you. Because as a business owner, I think you're going to have ebbs and flows more than people realize. You're going to have these extremely busy times and then you're going to have times where you're back kind of in the median. Sometimes that'll dip down low but you'll have times where you have to look at your family and say, Hey, this is going to be, you know, a tough 14 days. I, I'm, I'm pretty booked. You know, I need you guys to understand. And I'll, I'll tell you an example of this. You know, I wasn't even planning on SEMA. <laughs> I said this on an episode a few weeks ago, the amount of meetings we now have for SEMA, I got dinner meetings. I got lunch meetings. I got, you know, we're trying to book a meeting here before we got on the podcast. I had to look at my family over the weekend and said, enjoy your week. Like I'm going to be pretty in and out. I'm going to be available and unavailable. So I need everybody here in this room to grasp this week's on you guys at the house. Like I'm not going to be here. I think that's what people have trouble with is that the guys that I know that are successful in many businesses understand the ebbs and flows of the business that they're in. And there's going to be times months at a time when you don't have a lot of free time. And there's going to be just times where you got to go, hey, man, I got to make the money while it's there. There's going to be other times when you need to step back and go, okay, I tell this to people about the holidays all the time. 
what we learned in my business with my clientele, pushing during the holiday season is a big mistake. My clients don't like it. They, they, this is when they spend their time because these are extremely busy people. This is just part of it, man. And if you're, if you, when things get busy, if you say, I'm not going to venture out, that's your decision. But maybe one day that work is not there. And all of a sudden you got a different problem. Once, <laughs> once you start hitting oil, that's not the time to slow the rig down. No, got to dig. I mean, you get yeah. it. There's only time. And again, this is for a lot of guys in the cold climate. You know, if you know the cold season's already slow, you should look at your family and say, we're not doing much during the summer. That would be my game plan if I was, it's like the landscapers where I grew up, not mowing a lot of grass in Tulsa in November and December and January and February. So if I owned a landscape business, I would say to my family, hey, we'll do a lot of things during those slower months. But in the summer, dad's got to get some shit done. And there's going to be some nights I'm not home. And if you're not willing to do that, that's, that's a perfectly good decision as well. But I just don't see that really working long-term in the small business world. Well, cool, man. Great, great discussion right there. I think a lot of people will get value out of that and they'll be able to look inside of not only their own business, but be able to see it in others too. It's, it's really great perspectives of things being seen in the industry. So, all right, I, I'm going to get back to sipping on this, uh, this pumpkin spice seltzer. Um, you go enjoy some nice uh, high nooners at uh, SEMA, man. Uh, a lot of great fun times this week, and we're looking forward to seeing. I know you'll put some stuff out on stories. You'll, you'll, you'll yep. let the community know, and we're, we're looking forward to see everything that you see at SEMA, man. Have a great week. All right, brother. Talk to you. All right, Facebook. Have a great day. Uh, I was saying goodbye to Facebook, but I'm still recording here on the podcast. My bad, guys. Hey, this is Marshall, and I'm going to close it down by saying I hope you have a great week. SEMA, it's a fun week to be in car cleaning. It's fun to be in the car care business. This is a great week, and we're excited about all the fun things that are going to happen. I hope whether you're, you know, you stayed back or you're at SEMA, that whatever you do, you make it a great week, and have a great day, guys. Enjoy.